Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm Youngwee Mare. Each week I discuss a sad topic or sad story and laugh about it to make hair grow out of your butthole or my butthole or yours if you laugh and cry at the same time. But, you know, like I like to remind everyone, the real reason that I'm doing this podcast is because I hope that if I can talk about something sad that happened to me and laugh about it, then and you also went through that sad thing, then you can laugh about it too. And hopefully we'll all feel better and heal. Healing. I, I hate saying the word healing now because I feel like it's been appropriated by rich white people in LA. And they're like, come to my yoga retreat for healing. It's $10,000. I'm a millionaire. You know what I mean? But uh, it sounds cringe now. Healing. Healing. $85 green juice. It's for healing. I live in a mansion. I don't know. Um, speaking of rich white people, this week I'm going to talk about growing up poor and what that meant for me and the psychological damage <laughs> that it did um, to me that I carried into adulthood. And I think this is a really important topic. And like always, I, you know, obviously I tell these stories from my perspective as like a Korean American biracial person excuse me, that lived uh, in Korea and I grew up on this island called Saipan. But I think that growing up poor is such a, the experiences are so universal. You know, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you grow up poor, you and me, we are, we are a kin. Do you know what I mean? We get each other. We speak the same language. We know what Sunny D tastes like. We know what that frozen can juice. Oh my God. Remember that fucking juice that came in a goddamn can and then you would have to put it out on the counter and like things of what oh that like the minute made i don't even know if that's like a poor thing or if that's just a 1990s thing that was horrible what the fuck was that you know we know what that that tastes like we know what the cereal in a bag tastes like it's not toucan sam it's can can to todd can to todd and uh, for some reason the fruit loops are not brightly colored they're just different colors of beige like why you know how much money was my mom saving two dollars let's get the fucking box you know i don't know who knows and i mean that that's a that we all know exactly how that feels right and it's probably why we insist on buying the name brand cereal for ourselves as adults even when there's 15 dollars in our bank accounts i'm like you know what i might not have enough money to eat tomorrow but today I eat like a king. It's it's a Fruit Loops, Kellogg's Fruit Loops, because I did not have this when I was eight. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna speak about it from my perspective, but I I do think it's gonna be very familiar to anybody. But I guess uh, the 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 most important takeaway that I want everybody to to hear from this is that I'm just gonna try to say it real quick before my brain gets all foggy. What I noticed the most about people that grow up poor is that we tend to carry this internalized idea that we are not good enough into adulthood. And I really fucking want everybody, if you grew up poor and you still have residual feelings of this, to stop 
fucking feeling that way because it's not fucking true. And I think, you know, all of those bagged cereal can to Todd moments, those experiences, even though they sound silly, you know, they were relentless when we were kids. Constantly, we were not getting the same thing that other kids were getting for absolutely no reason, for reasons out of our control. And what that taught us as kids were was that there must be something fucking wrong with me if I absolutely haven't done anything. But everybody else has Air Force Ones. And I got the one, one, two, one, two, step on my shoe brand <laughs> sneaker with the with the mushy toes. Do you know what I mean? Like every every time something like that would happen, you know, as kids, it was like, even if I got good grades, even if I acted and behaved nice, I just don't get the things that other kids are getting. That made me feel like, yeah, I I suck. And so as an adult, I carried that into everything, right? Like when I looked for jobs, I would be like, whatever my dreams were, I was like, fuck that. I don't get to do what I want to do. I have to work in a restaurant. And, you know, like meeting all the people that worked in restaurants and seeing that we all had the same childhood. And I think it's really important the reason why I really want people, if you've had this past, to break through that, to get rid of that idea that you're not good enough, is in a lot of ways, it keeps you in these places in life where you have given up trying to look for something better because you feel like you don't deserve it. And that is absolutely not fucking true. That's not true. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit, but I just want you to know up top, that's the main message here. This is not going to be like an entrepreneur, a uh, hustle guy wearing a gold Rolex being like, this is how you get your money up. Stop with the poor mindset. No, I'm going to tell you that none of it was your fault. And uh, really understanding that it, a lot of it was out of your control. And there's nothing inherently wrong with you that you were in this situation. That is the way to break free from feeling all these horrible negative feelings. Is it going to help you get your become a millionaire? No, I don't because that's now impossible. It's late stage capitalism and the system depends on all of us being poor for for one man that, you know, started the opioid crisis to buy another yacht every every day. But so we can't win. But I just want you you know, to never feel bad about your financial situation. So much of it is completely out of your hands. It was out of my hands. Never feel bad about being poor. Actually, we should feel proud because if anyone should feel bad, it's people that were born rich. Because you know what? If you were born rich, your dad started the opioid crisis. That's like the only way. That's the only way to be a billionaire or like whatever rich person nowadays. It's like, it's somebody that took advantage of people like our parents to get ahead, right? That's literally the only way. If you're born rich, you should feel bad about it. I'm just joking. It was out of your control, too. You know that's a joke, right? But um, I just I just feel like it's funny that poor poor people or people that were born poor are made to feel ashamed when it was like, why, right? And I think that there people like understand that inherently, you know, like when you hear somebody say uh, a good, honest day of work, like wh what job are they referring to? They're like referring to bricklayer, 
you know, or like chimney sweep or something, not billionaire opioid crisis guy, right? I think we all inherently know that the working class does honest work. Anyway, so that was my message before I get into my childhood. I also think that growing up poor is funny. It is very sad, but it is really funny. You know, all the little silly things that happen. I just can't help but laugh. You know, like this bag cereal, the the day when you get to school and everyone ha- has something and you don't, the Christmas, <laughs> the Christmas toys, the, the, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas tree with one shitty gift under it that you have to, you just have to laugh, you know? Um, but I, okay, I'm, I'm just gonna tell like a funny story about my childhood being poor. And I thought this is like so many interesting facets to it. So in the, I believe it was like the fourth grade, my parents, um, oh, I, I should just explain really quick. It's really weird. Cause my parents both had jobs and it, by all means, we should have been middle class because my dad was a pilot, but my dad like suffered from really pretty severe mental illness. Um, and so there were years where he couldn't work, like he couldn't get out of bed. Right. And in those times we would become so poor, we would, you know, get our electricity cut and we would just be, you know, sitting and having to eat whatever, my mom would just like make tortillas from flour and water and just like just things like that right um so that was why there were periods of my childhood where we were really poor but this one period when I was in fourth grade I only had two pairs of shorts and they were like biking like uh tight shorts you know like leggings but just came up above my knees and because I only had two pairs of shorts, I wa- they got washed a lot. And one of them became basically see-through. And so I wore it to school. My panties were just showing through. And my prince, the principal saw me and he called me into his office and he was like scolding me because he thought it didn't like occur to him that my pants were threadbare because they were the only other pair of pants that I had he thought that I on purpose wore like mesh see-through shorts to be like sexy as a nine-year-old so he was like why would you wear that like you think it's cool that your panties are showing and I was like so lost I was like what are you talking about and he was like that's that's not cool that's really like not modest and you should be ashamed blah 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 and I was like I don't have pants. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then my mom had to come like bring my other pair, of, my one other pair of pants. Luckily, that weren't as see-through. Um, so like things like that. Is that funny for me? Yeah. Is it traumatizing? Yes. But um, stuff like that happened. And oh, that that's the another the other message that I wanted to share on this episode before I get into other parts of it of my life was that I think the the other message that you receive from growing up poor is that, number one, you are not good enough. You're not as deserving as everyone else. But number two, everything is always your fault, right? And those two ideas were so hard for me to grow out of as an adult. Um, the everything is your fault thing, you know, 
you know, going back to the see-through pants incident, people, I think, just think that something about poor people, it just registers to them that they're always fucking up, like they're doing something wrong. And so, and then because people come at you with that sort of suspicion, you act accordingly. So like when the when the principal was like, oh, you're wearing those mesh pants to be sexy. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I fucked up instead of being like, what are what? These are my only pants or whatever. And that my behavior was like altered to fit the ideas that other people had of me because I really just feel like every day you get this this messaging that everything is your fault and we see that on like a large scale level with poor people right like we see it's always like especially in America and I wanted to compare like how poor people are seen in America and Korea which I I will get at I have so many ideas about this sorry if this is like really uh, like scattered but but in America, especially, everything is like, oh, it's your fault for not being able to not stop being poor. Like, you didn't work hard enough. You didn't save. Uh, you should have had a savings account to help you during emergencies. Uh, you should be smart enough to do this and that. If it's really your dream, you have to work out of it. And it's it's so it's so infuriating because every step of the way, it's almost like the whole system is built to make sure that you don't succeed. And then when you don't succeed, they're like, looks like you're lazy, like, like every step of the way. And I, and I found that very interesting about America. And I think that's like maybe a, a particular thing about America. That's a little different, I think, than in Korea. Um, and I guess this is where I'll just like mention it really quick. Being poor in Korea is seen as extremely bad. It's very, very taboo. And it's very, it's even more hidden, I would say, than in America. Like, it's um, something that people hide. And they really, really do have that belief also that everything is your fault. But I think that there is this part of Korean society where they will feel bad or like they'll have empathy for somebody that's poor in a way that's lacking in America because I think for Koreans I mean I know these are huge generalizations but for Koreans because of you know like the Korean War and a Japanese imperialism most of us were our families were poor just one or two generations ago So I think there's a collective idea and understanding of how hard that is. Like most of our parents or grandparents grew up in abject poverty. So we understand that not only could it happen to any one of us, and it did, um, but also it's something that we should feel like we have to help them. I think there is this underlying feeling for Koreans and when I was younger it was way stronger but now I think that they're going they're moving so far ahead and forgetting that just you know people born in the 50s 40s and 60s grew up in poverty I think there is a disconnect that's starting and I see it getting closer to like how Americans view it but I think when I was a kid especially There was so much uh, empathy and care for people that were poor. 
in a way that's definitely changing. You know, now we see these like Korean kids that literally drive like Ferraris around Gangnam. They have like three blocks to drive around and they insist on driving to the coffee shop and getting a $9 cappuccino and that's all they do. And then they go to the Chanel store. So I, I think they're, it's, it's definitely moving away from that in the culture. But for, for a little bit, I feel like there was a little bit more empathy there. Um, and also, I feel like that's just a, such a big theme in Korean dramas, like the poor grandma and help her. She has a tteokbokki stand in the rain and we all love her because she reminds us of our grandma. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Is that true? It's, it's a broad generalization. It probably depends on um, the individual. But in America, I feel like that whole it's poor people's fault thing is so intense here. And um, which leads me to discuss the ways in which poverty changed my mind and my belief about myself, I took into adulthood. So I'm just going to tell this brief story. And actually, this is the reason why I wanted to discuss this topic was because somebody left a comment on the Patreon and they asked me about workplace dynamics while working in restaurants. And I was thinking about that. And there's so many interesting, funny stories and so many interesting uh, smart, funny people that you end up working with in restaurants. But then I kept thinking about the realization I had when I started working in restaurants, you know, in my teens and 20s, that all of us were from a certain background and all of us had sort of been conditioned or internalized this message that we belonged in this industry because all of us had grown up poor. And that was something that always I, I took note of. And the reason why that was the subject that I wanted to cover when thinking about working in restaurants and all the coworkers and the people that I work with there is because I don't think people talk about this enough. Um, the restaurant industry, from my experience, is you know, populated by people who grew up poor and just like I did, internalize this message that they had to, once they became adults, go into this industry that was in service of other people, right? And this kind of work that maybe other people wouldn't want to do. And again, this is a very broad generalization because there are a lot of people that enter into the restaurant industry as creatives at, and they use it as their main form of um, expression. There's a lot of, you know, very talented chefs and mixologists. And, you know, there's even people that are um, career waiters that are extremely, extremely um, great at their job. And they're working at like high end places and they're doing jobs that take such a high level of skill and, you know, there's so many different kinds of people that work in the restaurant industry. But I think the bulk of them do come from, you know, working class or poor backgrounds. And a lot of the reason why they enter into that workforce is because they believe that that's what they deserve, you know. And I want to say that in my time working in restaurants... I met some of the most like intelligent, interesting, talented people in my entire life, you know, people that were just so amazing and phenomenal and absolutely deserve to whatever their dreams were pursue and, 
you know, accomplish their dreams. But for the reason of that they just didn't have enough money, they never got to. And I've always thought that that was a very sad, you know, a sad, what was sad phenomenon in this day and age. And I think that it's worth talking about because I think, you know, we, we always hear the other end of this discussion, right? The Nepo baby discussion, like the kid that's rich and they get all the jobs and they get ahead and especially in creative fields like actors and painters and all of these creative worlds now are m- the majority of them, you know, within the last generation, it's just switched completely to rich people's kids because obviously you can't really afford to work on your craft if you don't have like somebody paying your rent, right? So um, we always hear that part of the conversation, like what the people that we're seeing celebrated because they were wealthy enough to enter into these creative fields. But the part that we're not seeing and the part that I think is more important and fascinating, and but it's way more sad, and so I see why people don't talk about it, is who we're losing because of this unfair system, right? And going back to all the people that I met during my years in working in restaurants, just like the brilliance and the talent, um, what would happen over and over again is that I would work with people in the restaurant industry. A lot of them were in it to to be in it, but a lot of them were trying to pay their way through school or beginning their careers in another field. A lot of it was creative, but a lot of it was just, you know, other stuff like going to law school or whatever. But the creative, my creative friends, they would get an email being like, you have to come in and work as the fucking PA tomorrow, 6 a.m., whatever. And they would be like, oh, I can't go because I have to work fucking brunch. And then they would lose that job to somebody else. And a lot of the times, you know, for most creative things like that job as a PA was unpaid. So it was these choices that this person had to make between working brunch and then having money to eat food next week or going somewhere, um, driving your own car, paying for your own gas to work 17 hours for free and then possibly nothing's going to come from that or maybe you'll get another job where that doesn't pay. And it's like, obviously, obviously, most people in the world are going to be like, I'm going to work brunch and have groceries next week, right? But going back to that idea that it's always poor people's fault, most people, like, if if you talk to somebody who believes that it's always poor people's fault, they'll be like, well, if you really had a dream where you wanted to be a a film director, then you would starve and you would go do that PA job for free Then you because you were really hungry for it. And it's like, I feel like most people understand that I like when you think about it as an idea. Yeah, I I think I'm the kind of person that would starve for a week to try to uh, get ahead in my field. But realistically, I don't think anybody is going (laughs) to... take that job over the working the brunch job right and I saw that happening so many times over and over again with the people that I work with in restaurants and it's like when you see it happening in real time you're actually seeing 
how these talented creative people just drop off and never get the chance to really enter into this field. And it's sad on two levels, right? It's sad for them because they're not able to live their dream because of things that are out of their control. They weren't born wealthy. But the other thing that I think about all the time, and I think it's so so profoundly sad, and I think it's sad for all of us, is that like if you look at it on a large scale, like how many fucking people are we losing that are brilliant creative people because they literally didn't even have the privilege of working an internship for free. Like they couldn't even afford to work for free. They couldn't even put their foot into the door. Um, in an industry that's now completely saturated with people that are mid just because their dad caused the opioid epidemic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that like blows my mind. It's like when you look at like, you know, like whenever you walk by like an art gallery and you're like, who the fuck painted this shit? This sucks. Like this is the best art that fucking New York has to offer right now. And it's like, I feel like half the people that I worked in restaurants with could have done a better job at a fucking art show, but they don't have the fucking money to not get paid to sit there and do nothing until they strike it, you know, rich or whatever. And so like, I feel like on a big scale level, it's like, oh, people are thinking like, oh, it's so sad that somebody, some actor could have never make it to an audition and we, and he had to be a server for 10 years. But like, I I think like as, a society we should all be really sad that we're never gonna see the the art that was good that should have been you know in that gallery right we're just gonna see we're gonna see somebody who's uh somebody's sons sylvester stallone's i, I don't even know who these like that bow babies like parents are anymore we're gonna see his third uh, least talented son's artwork and it's like, it, I think we should all be sort of like uh, sad about it and like freaked out about it maybe a little bit. I don't know. Shit is getting bad. Anyway, um, sorry, I know like people are so sensitive about Nepo babies. No, I'm sure some of them are great. I'm Some of them I really enjoy. They're acting and they're singing. Um, but like, I think honestly, we can all... We can all admit to each other that there are probably people that are way better at acting and singing that are... Uh, working brunch somewhere right now <laughs> than uh, Kelly Osborne, you know, no offense. Anyway, um, that was another thing. And so, oh yeah. So like, I guess unless I don't know if this is very clear why I was talking about working in restaurants and stuff, but the reason why I entered, I, I did say this, right. The reason why I entered into restaurant work is because I thought that's what I deserved. And, oh, this is what I wanted to end on. I, this is not going to be that long of an episode, but the other again this is the other side of that and this is why i really want people that grew up poor to like stop thinking this way people that grew up poor you know we internalize this message that we're less deserving uh despite being talented or smart or whatever and maybe yeah and then we end up going to these fields like service industry and stuff like that not tapping into our full potential because we don't believe in ourselves and then this whole thing happens where we lose so much talent and stuff because of obviously we can't afford to do it. And then also people are telling us it's our fault. But then the other side of that, the rich people is like what I want to talk about, which I've already been talking shit about them all day. 
Kelly Osbourne mostly, but but I'm going to talk more shit about it. There's this weird thing that happens. The the reverse of that is that rich people think that they're inherently smart, good, better. And I really see that happening so much in America. That part is 100% true. Like, I think there's enough dialogue now that people that grew up poor in America understand that it's like late stage capitalism. It's out of our hands. But rich people in America 100% think that they're like smarter and better. And it blows my mind because I'm like, can you not see? Can you not see that you're bad at this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like George W. Bush, like, bro, like you you're bad at you're bad at this you're not as smart as other people you're you know that right like how is it not clear to you the lights are on no one is home but um the interesting ways that that shows up for me where I'm always like thinking about it and I'm like what are you talking about is going back to the first joke that I made on this episode like rich white people living in LA that are really insistent on like eating organic and thinking that they're environmentalists and then they're taking like private jets everywhere. Do you know what I mean? And they truly believe that they're doing good stuff for the earth by like creating a yoga mat brand that is like destroying some town in India. Do you do you know what I mean? And like they've like I think wealth now has rebranded completely to like wellness organic environmentalism and i think that's a, that's really fascinating and i think it's really fascinating that people buy into that and it's it's so interesting because there's so many facets of it you know i think the the example that's coming up in my head right now is like the elon musk thing like people really think that elon musk is smart like they think he's smart and they're like well he has to be smart he has like billions of dollars and i'm like he's he's just the son of some horrible rich man and then he had enough money to buy other company like we are we all like we we can see his tweets right like like come on like that's the other side of it like if you're rich you must be smart and if you're poor you must not be smart i i think we really have to um deprogram that in our heads but um like that's just so fascinating to me like do you guys remember like the person on tiktok i think she had this like account where she's a mom and she lived like this like little house in the prairie life <laughs> she has like a like this like old-timey stove and she had to like light it with a match and her kids come and she like makes bread by hand and she owns this farm i think it's called ballerina farm if you if you don't know you should google it and and um, she blew up and everybody was like, wow, this is so amazing. This is the life that we should all live. This is like aspirational. You live so simply. You have you don't like have any excess waste and all your hand, like all her clothes. I think she would like make them from linen and blah, blah, blah. And then slowly but surely people were like, oh, I just Googled that stove and it's twenty thousand dollars. And then people were like, how are you doing this and not working? And everything in your apartment, in your like house is made, like handmade from wood. And what's going on? And then they found out that her husband, she married like the heir to like a private jet company or like an airline. And she's been like riding private jets five times a week. 
for the like last with all her five kids or whatever and so she had this whole like live simply don't ruin the earth message meanwhile this bitch is on a private plane five days a week like flying the kids to soccer practice and so it's like it's like that whole thing right it's like um and i think the reason why i touch on that is it's like i said it's the reverse of the poor people being blamed for everything when in fact it's like the rich people are doing all the fucked up shit and then we are having to feel bad for it right um and i i'm i'm saying we as like somebody that's been like psychologically damaged by the trauma of growing up poor um you know in all transparency i don't i i mean i am like struggling financially and like every few months i touch into this place of oh my god am i gonna make it as anybody working freelance and living in new york has but i you know like right now i'm like whatever okay but i dip in and out of it but even that even that uh, financial somewhat security as an adult i can't break through this idea that i'm not deserving and i'm not good enough and it's like it's a hard process and i really i feel like i have made great um what's that called great uh success what's the word great uh what's the word i i've like um i've i've got come out of it a little bit but i haven't you know every day it's like something um anyway that's all i wanted to say about that topic those two i think those two things those two class of people like in america they work so well together because we have people that you know are grew up poor that think that they deserve less and people who grew up rich that think that they can do no wrong and that they're the solution when they are the actual problem. And I think when you have a group of people that think they're great and a group of people that think that they deserve to be treated like shit, unfortunately, those two groups of people work very well together. And the people that grew up poor end up being exploited by the people who act like they deserve more. And I think the reason why I said up top that if that was your past, you have to work on changing that in your mind is... I think we all have to come to the realization that we don't deserve to be treated uh, less than for people who have done absolutely nothing to be in a position of power over us, right? And I think that it's like a realization we all have to really stand up for for ourselves and advocate for ourselves and understand that it was nothing to be ashamed of. We did nothing wrong. And once we have that understanding we I think we will start to feel the righteous anger of like the position that we were put in. So, you know, I think that's the final the message that I want to leave with you. If you, you know, share this past of growing up poor, I really hope that me sharing my experiences made you feel better. If you are feeling ashamed and bad about it, you absolutely fucking should not be you should be proud of that if you are still struggling financially a fucking course you are because the goddamn system was put in place that that would happen to you you know you're living like that so the ballerina farms lady can pretend that she uh foraged her mushrooms when some some when her butler did it do you know what i mean it's a system that you were put into specifically to make sure that you didn't escape out of and not only is it because of the 
financial difficulties of actually coming out of that class, but the psychological messaging that you received as a child. And I think the step to getting out of um, not, you know, not entering into financial security, because I think that that's elusive for anybody now, you know, unless you're opioid crisis, man. (laughs) But I can't tell you how to get out of financial insecurity because it's impossible. But I can pretty much tell you that the first step to not living this life where you feel bad about it all the time is realizing that it's not your fault. It's definitely not your fault. And it's nothing to feel bad about. And that's the first step. Where do we go from here? I don't fucking know. I can barely do step one as it is. But I I just want to share that with you. Hopefully that was helpful to listen to. Um, Also, I am taking um, suggestions for topic discussions (laughs) on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Harry Butthole. Maybe you'll suggest something like, how was it working in a restaurant? And I'll go off a weird tangent about growing up poor and how much I hate rich people. Maybe that'll happen, but you can um, donate to the Patreon to suggest a topic. Or if you obviously don't want to pay for it because people are struggling, you can just leave a comment on the Instagram at Harry Butthole Podcast. Um, you can just leave a comment on the post and I will definitely get to it. I don't really get that many suggestions. And if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. And I'll see you next Friday. Bye.